Oh, I have something good for your heart today. It's a Get to Know Each Other Friday. I want to tell you a story about something on my desk. I asked my brother to send it to me, and when it arrived, I felt giddy. And there has been this compulsion, I don't know what to call it, a desire, a taste of something in the past that I don't have and I can't have again, but this memento has fueled the memories. I need your help today. Do you have something around the house that causes you to remember someone no longer with us? Posted a picture on Facebook of my item and others have done the same thing. And if that's any indication, we're going to have a great trip down memory lane with each other today. This is Chris Fabry Live online, chrisfabrylive.org. Thanking our team, Ryan McConaughey, doing all things technical. Trish is the producer. Gabby T's in the chair. Lisa will be answering your calls today. And since it's Friday, that's right. It's time for the fabulous Fabry Friday side. What does it do, Chris? One, we oxygenate your blood. Two, we get your endorphins going. Three, we raise your serotonin level. Four, we promote lymphatic drainage. And five, we stimulate your parasympathetic system. That's why we call it the five lung languages. We also stimulate your vagus nerve. We help you release acetylcholine. And don't forget what it does to cortisol dissipation. Taking four seconds of air through your nose right now. Hold it four seconds, thousand one. And then as you release that air through your mouth, push on the left side of your rib cage to get rid of all that bad carbon dioxide. Let's give a memento sigh. An object that gives a memory jog. Things you keep to remind you of that beloved person you can no longer give a hug to or share a cup of coffee with. Maybe that's what you have, the person's favorite mug. And when you look at it, you remember. For one person, it's a pair of boots. For another, it's a Mother's Day card. Maybe you saved a driver's license or a hunting jacket or the medal the person was given for some act of heroism. Could be in your kitchen, your office, your car on the wall of your garage. What is that thing that you've kept to remind you of them? The Fabulous Fabry Friday site is brought to you by the word memento. We've done several memento shows in the last 15 years of this program, and this one bubbled up over the last month or so when I reached out to my brothers for help. In case you're wondering, you spell memento, M-E-M-E-N-T-O, Though I had spelled it M-O-M, and I, I'm a pretty good speller, and it was like it had a little red line under it. It's like, why does it got that red line? It's a memento. No, it's M-E-M. Definition. Something that serves to warn or remind a souvenir. Memento comes from the imperative form of memenis, a Latin verb that literally means to remember. The term memento mori, meaning a reminder of mortality, translates as remember that you must die. The history of memento makes it clear, Merriam-Webster says, where its spelling came from because a memento, M-E-M-E-N-T-O, often helps one remember a particular moment. So people occasionally spell the term M-O-M-E-N-T-O, This is usually considered a misspelling, but it appears often enough in edited prose to have been entered into most dictionaries as an acceptable variant. Well, not me, friend. I was spelled right. (laughs) When my mother passed away a year and a half ago and we were up at the house where I grew up, the only house I really remember, I noticed that my father's pipes weren't there. And he had quite a collection. And my brother said, oh, I have those. Tell me which ones you want. 
And he sent me, went home, sent me a picture. And just looking at that picture did something on the inside. I can't explain it. I won't try. Well, I probably will. (laughs) But it has taken me more than a year to process, okay, what do I want? And I didn't want all of them. And I just, I picked one. And uh, so I texted him. I said, hey, the one that, the brown one with the ring around it, would you send that to me? And in a few days, I was holding it in my hands. I put a picture up on Facebook. You can see it there. And my other brother lives about a half hour away from the house that is still uninhabited there. And I described a tobacco tin that I remember. And I can close my eyes now. And on the top, it was a, has a black uh, area, a black stripe around it with the name of the company. And then in the, on the bottom of it, it is white. And it's got a sailing ship on the front with sails and the masts. I don't know what you call all that, but it's a, it's the image of this big ship that is in my mind. And so I said, Hey, next time you go up there, see if you can find one of those old tobacco tins. And, uh, <laughs> I think he only checks his email. He's retired. He only checks his email about once. And so the next day he texted back something like not to pry, but why in the world <laughs> do you want one of those rusty old containers? And it's a good question. And I've asked myself that. Why? I, I, part of it is I remember the aroma of the tobacco in the tin. You take the top off, you take a sniff of that sweet, I think it was cherry curing that they must have done to the leaves. And I debated bringing this to you because smoking is bad for your health. My dad smoked cigarettes all of his life until he didn't, until he stopped cold turkey when I was little. That was back when the Surgeon General was still a private. (laughs) We didn't know what we didn't know, and nine out of ten doctors preferred whatever brand of cigarettes it was back then. But even though he kicked cigarettes, he still occasionally brought out his pipe. So I have two questions for you. First one is, that's why I need your help. Why do you think I wanted that? Why has that been on my mind so much? There's no real value in this thing, at least monetarily. Why is it that? And why do I want to smell that smell that I, that I smelled when I was a kid? Not of the smoke, although it was another person says here today on Facebook, you know, the sweet smell. It was the, the dry tobacco in the tin. So answer that question for me, 877-548-3675, or tell me about your memento. That's probably what we're going to do the rest of the hour. What is your memento, and why have you kept it? What does it do to you inside when you see it? Who does it remind you of? Here's the number, 877-548-3675. 1-877-548-3675. You can also answer on Facebook. I put a picture up there if you have the wherewithal. You do that kind of thing. You know you know how to take a picture and put it up there. I have struggles. Uh, I will read you some of these. I love, I think we, we hit a good topic when other radio people respond. And Deb Solomon, over at Equipped with Chris Brooks, wrote, My mom's eyeglasses. I want to always see others the way she did as people who need to know the love of Jesus through me. <laughs> That's a lot more spiritual than mine. That's really good. 
and Doug Hastings. Hey, Doug, former VP of Moody Radio, now retired, took a picture of his dad's softball mitt, and it's a McGregor, uh, and it's really old, and I hope he didn't play first base, Doug, because that ball's going through. <laughs> There's no way that Webbing's going to hold a good throw from third. Uh, Doug said he passed away in 2001. Reminds me, he was a team player. You need to work with others to achieve success. Mary Sue is in Georgia. Mary Sue, why'd you call today? What's your memento? My memento is the last bottle of cologne that my late husband had. We were married 25 years, and he died in 2015. And he wore Stetson. So when he died, I took his bottle of cologne, and I put it in my closet on the shelf. And when I get to missing him real bad... And can't, you know, sometimes you think you can't remember people after they're gone too well. I'll smell that smell and it just brings back everything. Yeah, yes, it does. There's something about, and, and it's, it's the brain working along with the uh, memories. Is the, uh, what does the bottle of Stetson look like? It's a little square, pretty square bottle with a gold lid on it. Okay. And uh, I use the spray, so it's a spray bottle, but. Uh, just being able to smell his smell, you know. Yes. Tell like, me his like name. That, that feeling. Doug. Doug. He went by oh. Gumby. No. <laughs> Why? They called him Gumby because when he walked, when he was a little kid and he walked, he walked like that little Gumby character. <laughs> and his whole life they called him Gumby, and it's on his tombstone even. Is it really? <laughs> oh. Yes. See, now this is this is the thing. These memories of the people that you you don't have your husband, it was 2015, it's been eight years. It probably seems like a day, and it probably seems like a hundred years at the same time. But you yeah. know, you would think that this is a really hard thing to talk about, and then you start telling me about Gumby, and you start to smile, right? Right, right, right. I love it. Mary Sue, you started us off well here today. Let me give you the phone number, 877-548-3675. What is the memento that you have kept of somebody that you love dearly who's no longer here? Why'd you keep it? What is it? 877-548-3675. Or explain myself to me and why I needed this pipe of my father. More straight ahead on Moody Radio. Karen posted on Facebook a bottle of Brute cologne. So Mary Sue, we're going to give Brute equal time here today with Stetson. Uh, Karen says, it belonged to my husband. He's been in heaven 15 years, and my daughter keeps it now. So what is the memento that you have kept of this person who's no longer with us? And what does it do on the inside when you see it? or the aroma of the cologne, um, or explain myself to myself. Dave is in Ohio. Dave, why'd you call today? Um, just you're talking about smells and certain things that remind you of certain things. Right. And um, I used to smoke, but I quit. But sometimes the smell of it or certain ones of it bring me back to a time with my grandparents. Hmm. And, you know, so it, it, even though, like, the effects of smoking are bad, but the memories can be sweet 
that come with it, you know, so it's like um, a sweet aroma in that sense. Yes. And then since we're talking about smells and things like that connected with that, you know, I work in construction. There's this guy that I've been connecting with this past week who has a certain cologne and it's not like strong where it's like embarrassing, like it's too much or whatever, but like I can smell them coming down away and we've been sharing things biblically on the construction site, kind of mentoring each other. And so it's, it's almost like feeling the presence of the Holy spirit. Every time I smell that, you know, like knowing there's a presence of another believer around. So with those types of things, it it, it can be even spiritual. A sweet aroma. I remember that it'll happen to me if I'm, if somebody is smoking cigarettes outside of a store and I pass by and I'll smell that and I'm immediately taking, taken back to Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati after walking the suspension bridge with my dad and, and my brother uh, or whoever's going with my mom and walking up and you've got these little uh, bands of people who are playing and everybody's just about everybody's smoking. And it was such a, uh, uh, an imprint on my brain as a child that that's where I go back to every time. And I smile when that happens. And then I try to move on the second hand <laughs> so I don't get uh, hurt by it. But that's, I, I hadn't thought about that sweet aroma that you're talking about, Dave, because that's what Paul writes about, that that's what we can be a sweet, not smoke, but a sweet aroma to those around us. Thank you. Um, Kathleen in West Michigan, go right ahead. Hi, Chris. Can you hear me okay? I sure can. Okay. Well, I'm in the country, and I have pulled over, but it might drop. But, you know, the minute you said, oh, why do I want this pipe? Why do I want this tin? Well, dear, it's because you love your father. And (laughs) fond memories of him, I'm sure, fill your mind when you see that pipe. You hold it, and you smell, as you say, the smells. My father and I used to play cribbage. I've yet to play cribbage with anyone else, but... When I and I have the cribbage board, if I look at it, if I see it by accident, I automatically see my father's face. I see his gestures. I see him counting the points, and it's just a joy to feel and remember all those things. But it's the love. Yeah, I think you're. It is, and it's the connection. And and the thing about the pipe, and I'll pick it up and I'll hold it right here. The thing about it is I can see, you know, he he tapped the tobacco in here and I'm, I'll never use this to to actually smoke it. That's not why I want, want it. But he right, held right. it. His hands were on this. I can see mm-hmm. the imprint of his teeth on the little mouthpiece there, too. And so I'm holding something that that he held unless my brother went out <laughs> and got this from somebody else and. You know, he's want to no. do that kind of thing. No, he didn't. He didn't do that. But he did say there no. were some for my grandfather there too, and he said, "I don't know which ones were which." So my assumption is this was my dad's. As a matter of fact, I think this is. I remember as a kid giving him pipes at Christmas time, um, and so oh, I think yeah. this was one that I had bought for him at the you know the dime store or whatever. But cribbage is another thing. The games that you play with your father that you can see his face. Even today, yeah. across the across the board, right? 
That's right. Exactly. The, the way he was. He made it till 92. He just passed uh, two years ago, him and my mother. She was 93. They died within four months of each other. But I see that face of him. He was probably in his 70s. I can't recall the age. But you just see them so clearly. They're always in your heart, just like anybody you love dearly, especially yeah. your family members. And clearly that's um, what the Lord represents to us. He's always there. He's always in our heart. And um, his reminders are with us <laughs> Everywhere we look. It makes me think, Kathleen, it makes me think of Mm -hmm. the disciples. And I wonder if they kept anything. I wonder if they had anything in their travels with Jesus. Well, he didn't own much of anything other than the clothes he was wearing. Um, But was there anything? That's one of those questions that we'll never be able to answer. So this can this can take us to some really hard places in memory and you know lament, but it can also take us to some good places. Here's one. This is my last Mother's Day card. Susan says, from my son who passed three and a half years ago. I have it sitting on a bookshelf where I can always see it, and it says, "You're a blessing to me. There are many good women, but you are the best." Proverbs thirty one twenty nine. It's a real pretty purple card with a bow on the front of it and ro- looks like flower roses of some sort uh, depicted underneath. You can see that at our Facebook page. Take a picture of your memento and uh, and show it to me. Julia is in Indianapolis. Hi, Julia. Hey, Chris. Well, I have related to so many things that you all have been talking about, um, but one of my favorite mementos is one of the last, um, pullover shirt sweaters I bought for my husband. He died in 2017 and he was the most incredible hugger. Um, and I just, when I really miss him, I just put that shirt kind of around me and I'm, you know, taken back there. And it's just a, it's a powerful memory. And, um, you were also talking about how it can be good and bittersweet uh, my husband took his life, um, oh. was a wonderful, godly man, but struggled with a lot of the pain from his, excuse me, his childhood. So even though there's a lot of real difficult pain and, you know, answers I'll never have um, this side of glory, but it's still that sweet moment of just remembering our sweet moments together. Um, and it's really powerful. And the other thing is, I'm also a Christian counselor and when I'm working with clients and I need them to try to retrieve what I feel like might be some important memories, I'll ask them to think of a smell or mm-hmm. a sound um, that will take them back to a place. And often, you know, before I get words, I hear tears because that sensory memory is so powerful. And it's really been a gift from the Lord for me with my clients um, was for me personally, but now it's something I'm able to use with them as well. So um, I really appreciate the topic for today. How long have you been a counselor? Over 30 years. 30 years. Okay. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. one of the things I was, before I found out that that's what you do, um, I was Mm going to say thank you for sharing that about your husband Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. there's such a stigma for those who die by suicide. Um, Absolutely. And and people don't talk about it. So you could have just said, right. and I, his shirt and his mm-hmm. hug and and you know all of that, mm-hmm. and never mentioned that. Mm-hmm. But thank yeah. you for saying that because the more you sure. talk about it, the the less stigma it had, less hold it has over us. Don't you think? 
Absolutely. And and I almost didn't say anything about it. And then I thought, no, and partly for that reason, because, I mean, my husband was a pastor. And so, you know, we are not exempt from the pain and the suffering of this earth. And, you know, I didn't know a lot about what brought him periods of depression and such deep, dark struggles until some of the letters he left after brought a lot of light to that. But, you know, he I do not doubt at all that he is in glory, you know, that um, he, you know, even though the way he died, perhaps, you know, I mean, it was sin to take his own life. But he was, you know, the last thing that someone saw him at, at his funeral said, you know, I saw him the day before he died with his Bible open, mm. sharing with someone. Um, and, you know, I just got chills when I said that. But, you know, he, uh, you know, sometimes we can be used mightily in spite of our own struggles. And, um, yeah, so... Absolutely. Tell me your, and tell I, me your I, husband's fighting, name again. I'm fighting to not. It was Brett. B R E T T. Brett. And you're fighting to what? Yeah. Um, I forget what I was going to say, but um, you're oh, fighting I I'm, I'm fighting not... in my in my work to, to to break down that stigma, like you yes. say, for people yes. to be able to talk about it. And one of the reasons that our our suicide rates are so high is because people are afraid to tell other people that they're having those thoughts. Bingo. And, um, you know, it's just so important to reach out when you are having some of those thoughts and, and also to talk about those who have um, and to share our story. So thank you for giving me the opportunity uh, to do that. It was an honor to hear a little bit about Brett and that uh, last shirt that you bought him and what it means to you. And see, that's what the, th- you know, th- this this topic of, the pipe, you know, that I wanted of my father's. It seems innocuous. It seems almost kind of unspiritual in a way, but it's so human and it's, it takes us to different places that I, you know, I have no idea, but I'm glad that Mary Sue got to talk about Doug Gumby was his nickname. I'm glad that Julia got to talk about Brett today. Chad is in Marion, Indiana, around the corner there. Hi, Chad. Go ahead. Hey, Chris. Thanks so much. Yeah, I was just going to share, you know, uh, I had a brother that um, died in the womb of my mom uh, a little bit over halfway through, you know, her pregnancy. And um, anyway, she let me name him, uh, named him Clark. And um, we had this Super Friends pillowcase that we kept, you know, because that had Superman on there. And I love Superman. And um, you know, got a chance to name him Clark, but I can't quite describe, like they moved houses and the, the super friends pillowcases now went with them to their, their house, uh, where they live now, but I can't quite describe, you know, the feeling, um, you know, we talk about, uh, what it brings me. I mean, I feel this, this hope, you know, that I'm going to see him someday and, you know, I'll know him. Yes. Yeah. How old were you, Chad, when when she had the miscarriage? I was young. I was like five. Wow. But she brought you in, she, and I assume your dad too. They brought you into that of uh, that problem rather than keeping it from you, keeping it away from you. They they let you participate, right? Yes. Yes. Huh. Yeah, and it, you know, you know, gives me choked up. You know, thinking about, you know, 
the hope to, that I know I'll be able to see him. Yeah. Your little brother, did you ever have any other children, any other siblings? Oh, yeah. I'm uh, one of four. He would have been five. Uh, well, we can remember, and I love the emotion that I'm hearing in your voice of this person who, you know, in our culture these days, Chad, uh, young people like Clark are not viewed as people by a lot of the, the culture. You know that, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So, so this is a personal thing for you, and I'm so glad you got to share that. Uh, Mike says, I have many things from my mom and dad, but my favorite is my dad's Navy pea coat. He was in World War II in the Korean War, so it's probably about 70 years old. It looks brand new. It's wool, quality lined. Pockets are heavy corduroy. It weighs 20 plus pounds. This reminds me heavily of my dad and the greatest generation ever. And he he left a picture of that. And I I looked it up because he spelled it P with the letter P, coat. And I looked it up and I found that a P coat, outer coat generally of navy, navy color, heavy wool, originally worn by sailors, of European and later American navies, pea coats are characterized by short length, broad lapels, double breasted fronts. And as early as the 1720s, they were wearing these. Modern renditions still maintain the original design and competition. So thank you for sharing that, uh, Mike, about your dad's pea coat. How about you? 877 548 3675. just thinking about Chad's call about his little brother. Wasn't that a sweet moment to hear that emotion that just crept up on him in the middle of that, middle of just talking with some friends at the back fence? Would you do me a favor and put next Wednesday on your calendar? I want you to hear Jill's story. Jill works with CareNet. I'm telling everybody who will listen about CareNet because if you don't need their help, somebody you know does. And maybe there's something you can do to help CareNet so that they can help someone. Jill is one of those people who has abortion as part of her past. The enemy loves to accuse and condemn and get you to think whatever bad thing you did back there can't be forgiven. Don't believe him. Jesus and his mercy and grace are bigger than your biggest mistake. But instead of listening to the condemnation and those whispers of just keep this quiet, Jill ran toward the mercy of God, and now she directs the ARC ministry, Abortion Recovery and Care, that connects women and men impacted by abortion with resources at pregnancy centers, at churches that move that person toward healing. So click the green CareNet button at chrisfabrylive.org. You'll see a tab toward the top, Abortion Recovery and Care. Someone you know needs or will need the life and hope offered by CareNet. Go to chrisfabrylive.org, click the green CareNet button today. And I was reading in the uh, How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life by Dr. Thrasher, 
or thank you this month, I was reading this quote. Listen to this. God delights to forgive. We are not the ones willing him to forgive us. He has to make us willing to seek his forgiveness. Isn't that good? He is He is the originator of the forgiveness. He is the wooer of our hearts. If you got something in your past that's holding you back, holding you down, don't allow that to keep you from the mercy and the grace and the love of God. Run to him. Uh, Alan is in Millersburg, Ohio. Hi, Alan. Hi, Chris. I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller. Yay, we got you. Uh, you did. Uh, I'm calling today. Uh, there's two things that I have from the same person. Um, one is a leather-bound, uh, light brown thesaurus, and the other is a manual typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of what kind of typewriter are we talking about? Olivetti or uh, you know? You know I what honestly, it, don't know the brand name. You know, okay. It's, my grandmother, well, long story short, she's not really my grandmother, but she was like a grandmother figure to the, my brother and I. Um, she is a typing teacher, English teacher. Oh. Uh, so when I came around, uh, you know, she had long retired, but uh, she taught she taught me about two years before uh, the rest of my class uh, how to type. And it's one of those old manual typewriters, the step keys. You know all the 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 skeleton uh, configuration, no housing. You know. Oh, for oh, the yeah. So the <laughs> so the letters are like round, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you you have to really mean it if you're going to type it. You got to mean it and put some power behind a, a finger, right? You, you know, going back to that memory, it, it's it's good memory, and it, and it's it's terrifying memory because like I said, grandma was a typing teacher. So (laughs) she didn't, uh, you know, she made you, she was one that you made, she made you buckle down and crack down and you did it the right way. Isn't that that something that, (laughs) that is, you know, learning that. And I, I took typing in high school that I have never, I've not gone one day that I have, haven't used that in my modern life, even though it looks different now. And I'm so grateful for, I think it was Mrs. Chapman, who was, she was the same way. She was used, my buddy and I would, you know, crack jokes and we'd type some stuff, you know, in free typing areas. She wasn't having it. She said, no, 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 you ASDFJKL semicolon. And she wanted it to quick brown fox and all that. Go ahead. You, you know the 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 SARS the, the and the uh, typer actually come up in my everyday work life because my coworkers are most of them are younger than me and you know we got computers and and whatnot. I go to an electric typewriter. It's probably twenty five years old just to get the feel of the keys and the you know, yes. just to get the, the the sound that it makes. And they're like, why do you type these things out? You have really nice handwriting. I'm like, just because I've like the sound, I like the feel, yes. and it takes me back to those memories of, of of Irma teaching me how to type, and and I don't have to peck at the keys. I can you know instantly know where the home keys are and type a paper out almost as quickly as I can write it out. <laughs> they actually sell the the keyboards that are like that. You know, they have the round keys, and they make that old typewriter sound. Evidently, I've, they're a little too expensive for me, but right. The, 
but it gets you back into that. I know exactly what you're talking about, that sound. And I used to, you know, work in a newsroom in college and then later uh, other different places. But you walk into a newsroom where there are five or 10 or 15 or more people all at the typewriter clacking out that, you know, those keys on the on the page. And it just is overwhelming to hear, to go back into that. We don't hear that anymore. It's just kind of click, 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 click these days. For me, for me, it's one of those peaceful, calming sounds. My sergeant will come in and she'll be like, why are you doing this? I'm like, I just need to go to my happy place for a few minutes. <laughs> so you're, you're in the military. Is that right? I'm, I'm actually, uh, I work at the sheriff's office. Sheriff's office. Well, thank you for your service, Alan. Uh, appreciate what you do. And, uh, thank you for calling in about the typewriter. I could go, we could just do a whole program on typewriters, but we can't today. Cause we've got to go to Rosa in Alabaster, Alabama. Rosa, how are you today? I'm doing well. And you? I'm doing great because I get to talk with you. What other, you know, a job that I get, I get to, to do that gets me to talk to you. And I don't think I've ever talked to Rosa in Alabaster before. Is this the first time you called? First time I listen at you uh, quite frequently, but it's the first time I've gotten called through. Yes. Well, now's your time. Tell me. Okay. One of the special things to me is my mom's sweater. It was the last thing that she spent the night at our home and it was, she left the sweater here, and she never got it back. My mother has been gone almost 25 years. She lived to be 90. And that sweater, periodically, when the weather's permissible, I still wear that sweater just to get just the feeling of her being with me and the type of person that she was. Um, my mother and daddy had nine children. My daddy died when I was nine years old, and my sister was five years old. My mother took care of nine children, provided for them without the assistance of any other source. Well, God was her source, of course. Right. And so that means a lot to me to have her sweater, which is still in good condition. And when my mind get on, even if it's not cold, if my mind really get on her, I'll just go and look at it and sometimes just put it on just to get that feeling of the yes. love that she had for her children and to yes. want the best and to be the best that they could be. What is it about, you know, all you have to do is look at it, or if you put it on, uh, there's something that, why does, why do we, why are we so affected by that? I think it's because it's like you have a part of them in the natural, you know, they are gone, but somehow it brings that closeness that feel, that softness, that tender love to me. That's what it is, that love and care that she had as a mother. Because not many young women that have that many children would never marry again or never date again and take care of nine children without assistance from another source other than God. So when I put that on, it lets me know that I, too, can, you know, do what I have to do and do it with joy. Even though things may be hard, if my mother did it with nine children— during that time, then it lets me know anything is possible if you put God first. Rosa, I'm so glad you called, and you got to call us back again because it sounds like you got a lot of really good stories. What is the? What's your mother's name? Her name was Stella. Her name Stella. was Stella. Stella. S- yeah. Spell that. S T E L L A. Yes, S T E L L A. Okay, Stella. Stella sweater. It sounds like a novel to me. Maybe we'll work together and uh, talk about Stella's yes, yes. 
See, this just brings something to the surface. This just brings something from the heart up. And uh, all of our lines are going right now, which is a wonderful thing to see. Uh, and if you don't get through today, if you're on the on the line, hang in. I'm going to get to as many of you as you can. If you don't, you can uh, call our listener line, 866-95-FABRY, and leave your story right there. Or go to Facebook as well. More straight ahead on Moody Radio. We were talking with Rosaria Butterfield yesterday on the program and in the break. Uh, Rosaria said, I've, I've got to get one of those books that you were talking about. I had read a quote from Bill Thrasher's How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life, as I did just a few minutes ago. And she said, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to order this and by the end of the program. She said, and I've just ordered it. And it just struck me. I should have told her I'd send her one, <laughs> but I forgot. I didn't, I didn't wasn't thinking. I was just so glad that that she made the connection. And I think you will too. If your prayer life is not all you want it to be, it's not about all, you know, feeling good about your prayer life. That's not what this book is about. This book is about opening your heart up to what God wants to do in you and then through you. And I could give you example after example and quote after quote. I'm not going to do it here because we got some really good calls. I just want you to know I'd love to send you this book. I think it'll be helpful. It's short. It's easy to read, but it's deep at the same time. How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life. Give a gift of any size. Call the number. Go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org. We can use your help here at the beginning of the year to start to start the, uh, thinking of Fred Flintstone <laughs> and, the, and the feet underneath. That's probably not the best. Anyway, call us, 866-953-2279. Give a gift of any size. We'll send this to you. Or go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org. Thanks for your support. Don's in West Palm Beach, Florida. Don, go right ahead. Hey, Chris. We appreciate you very much. God bless you. And guys, this is what the Lord's all about, touching us where we live. So my story is about my dad, and this goes back, more than 60 years, um, he moved us from where we grew up, and about 13, he moved us to North Miami Beach, and the house had a chain-link fence around it and a double-swinging open uh, chain-link uh, gate. And I remember after being there a little bit, he brought a chain, a brand-new chain, with a, a three-combination turn lock on it, and he showed it to me and the combination, and he says, so when you... You leave in the day, you open this, and then when you go, you close it. And my sister, my brother, him, and I, we all use that lock probably every day for over <laughs> 60 years. Yeah. So, and you, do you um, still have it? Is it still there? I, yeah. Yeah. Um, that is, my parents passed a while ago, and... My sister's the executor of the state, and um, they finally were able to get to sell in the house and the property. And and among the keepsakes that she and I both gathered, this was one of the last things that I saw on the gate, and I took pictures of it, and I took it. And I have it, and I'm looking at it right now. Oh, so, <laughs> you've done, yeah, you've got to yeah. take a picture of that and you got to get, put it on Facebook. And if you can't do it, find somebody who can do that for you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 
So all my, my siblings and my mother and father, we all touch that probably every day. And it's been on the fence for 60 plus years. And although the chain's rusted, it's, it still works. It functions. I put some lubricant preservative on it and a, and a special kind of crystal thing so I can look at it every day and remember all of us. Yeah. Wow. That's you know what most people say when they hear the phrase on the fence it's a bad thing but for you <laughs> that lock on the fence thumbs up don thank you for your call today let's go to don in fort myers florida hi don go right ahead hi um chris it's nice to be on it's my, i'm a first time caller as well yay we got you today don and... look at all these folks who've never called before that's that's fantastic I um, kept voicemails of my mom and, incidentally, my dad. And my dad's been gone since 2011. And it's bad enough when you lose the first parent um, that I lost my mom in 2016. And then you really feel like an orphan. Mm. And But I kept the voicemails, and one of them is actually of them singing me happy birthday. No. Both my mom and my dad. (laughs) And um, so every time I feel like hearing their voices again, I can just tap on that voicemail that I saved all these years and listen to them. What a treasure. What happens inside when you hear them singing to you? Oh, it's, it's a sweet, it's a sweet time. Yeah. Yeah. And you use that word. I thought of this phrase. There's a, there's an old Jackson Brown song for every man. And there's part of the, uh, one of the choruses that says that takes us back to where sweet childhood still dances. And I think that's what we're, the nerve that we're touching here is, there's something, uh, most of these are about a childhood experience or that happened then and that went on. And there is a sense of freedom and not being childish, but childlike, innocent. Uh, the love that Dawn can feel hearing happy birthday sung down through the years, that, that your heart can dance to that. Um, Christine's in Akron, Ohio. Hi, Christine. Go right ahead. Uh, thank you so much for taking my call. I am so, glad to do um, it. Uh, <laughs> so um, the thing that I, I was going to bring up is I have a gold necklace from my father, and actually it is a necklace that has the Eye of Horus pendant on it. And my mother used to wear it um, quite often, and every time I saw it on her, I just I absolutely loved it because I was always fascinated with things from Egypt. And as I grew up, my father and I, we really didn't get along. We kind of locked horns quite a bit because we were pretty much alike in a lot of respects. And I left home at the age of 20, very angry, thought I knew it all. And um, I was in the Navy at the time, went through boot camp, and it was during that time that I got saved. And uh, the Lord really started working on my heart to make peace with my parents. Um, after I'd gotten saved. And when I uh, finally got orders to go to San Diego, um, he really kind of impressed it on my heart to call my dad and let him know where I was going. 
and to try to make peace with him. And so when I called him, he had invited me to lunch. And so I met him for lunch and with my mother, and he presented me with that gold necklace that I loved so much. And one of the stories that my father loved in the Bible, and actually it was his favorite story, was the story of the prodigal son. And uh, you know how the story goes where the son was lost, and then he comes back, and um, the father says, kill the fatted calf. So every time I wear this necklace and people ask me about it, I always tell them, this is my fatted calf, um, because of what had transpired between my father and myself, and we had made peace. And um, so I love to share that story uh, with others when they ask about the necklace. So it really has a, a significant meaning to me. And your heart beats with the love of your dad. And I, if you're a prodigal, listen to that. If you're praying for a prodigal, don't stop. I want to end with Valerie today. Valerie, I have like two minutes left, but I, I got to hear your story. Tell me. I'll talk fast. Um, I have a chip of wood. You know, when they take a tree down and they uh, take a chip out of it so the tree will fall in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. Well, when, when my son was about 11 or 12 years old, he found one of these in the neighborhood um, somebody was taking down a tree. And so he brought this home and because it was getting close to Christmas time, he carved the words joy in it. <laughs> and so every year that would get packed up with all of our Christmas decorations and we bring it out every Christmas. Well, three years ago, um, Eric was called home to be with the Lord at age 43. Wow. And uh, so now we leave that chip of wood on a table in our living room to look at every joy to look at every day and to remind us to look for the joy in each day that the Lord has given to us. Oh, Valerie, you put an awful lot into about a minute right there, and uh, you did it well. And that what I was saying a little earlier is true in your story as well. There is this, there is loss there, but at the same time, there is warmth and joy as, as Eric wrote in that wood. And that's one of the things that happens when we're able to talk about these stories and to bring out these mementos. And I hope it doesn't end here because Gabby told me, she said, these stories are just fantastic. Thank you for your response here today, for sharing them. If you didn't get to share them, we have the Facebook page. Send me an email or better yet, talk with your family members or the friends or people or show them that fatted calf necklace that you can explain and talk about God's love for you. Chris Fabry Live's production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.